You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Excellent, excellent. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, uh, my name's Tim, and uh, I'm the, one of the elders uh, here at this church, and it's my joy and my privilege and my responsibility to bring you the word today. And we're continuing the, um, the God story series that Joel has been leading us in, and who's enjoyed it? I think it's been wonderful. They've really brought out some wonderful insights, I think, across some of those books. Which, and some of them, they can be, they can be hard work. Let's, let's be fair. Some of those uh, books in the Old Testament in particular can be, they can be hard work. But like Joel and, and Laura uh, have done, they've really brought out some wonderful gems. Which, um, so I encourage you to... Uh, if there are even sections of the Old Testament that you've, you've never read or you've shied away from because it's too, too hard, put that aside and go and do it. Read it. Take your time. And seriously, you will be encouraged, I've got no doubt, as you do so. A uh, special greeting to the, those watching online. I think it's, which I, I can't remember which camera it is, it's one of those ones. That one, thank you. Hey guys. <laughs> uh, yes, let's get into it, eh? Who likes a feel-good story? Yeah? Everybody. Because who gets sick and tired of watching the news or reading the newspaper? Gloom and doom and dark and dreary and... Pestilence, plagues, wars. <laughs> All of the above. Uh, seriously, it doesn't take long for you to become depressed, disillusioned, ticked off. All of the above. Yet, every so often, along comes a really nice story. I can remember watching even a couple of weeks ago, uh, there you go, a couple of weeks ago, not last night, but a couple of weeks ago, watching the news, gloom, doom, disaster, and suddenly this really great story came on the news that just, this was wonderful, just lifts your spirits, gives you that sense of, you know what, there is hope, there is hope in this world, and it is encouraging when you do come across those stories. Well, as Joel described last week, the book of Judges covers a time in Israel's history that had some very dark times indeed. It was a very dark and gloomy place. It was a cycle of decay and renewal, very much dependent upon the leader or the the judge, as they were called, of the time. Basically, it was every man for himself, which inevitably led to disaster. God then responded to their desperate cry for help by raising a leader or a judge, such as, you know, you've probably heard the names Gideon, Samson, Deborah, these ones, to restore peace or to 
gain liberation from, for example, the Philistines until they fell away again. Just grab a glass of this. In the midst of these cycles of misery, as Chuck Swindoll describes it, cycles of misery, it's a great, great expression, we find the delightful book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. How long... Has anyone read the book of Ruth? Has anyone not read the book of Ruth? Come on, be honest. There's one. Thank you, sir. You get the prize later. Read it. That's the prize. It's a lovely book. It is a really lovely book. And as we explore it today, my prayer is that you will be encouraged to look for the good that does actually exist in the world around us and that we would also be a positive influence on those around us. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we just thank you for the book of Ruth. We thank you for the, the window of your love that it shines into that dark time in Israel's, in fact, humanity's history. And Lord, I pray that you help us to glean from it what you want us to hear. I pray for every ear and every eye to see what you are saying to your church today. Lord, I pray for open ears to hear and, Lord, to know what you are saying to each individual. Lord, we pray for your anointing and your fruit to flow from this message today. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the spiritual climate of the times is summarised by the last verse of the book of Judges. So let's just go there first. If you've got your Bible, open it up to Judges 21-25. If not, they'll be up on the screen. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Now, what's that going to lead to? Everyone did as he saw fit. Yep, I think you can guess. Well, the book of Ruth then opens up as follows, placing it squarely in those times. Ruth 1, verses 1 and 2. In the days when the judges ruled, that's pretty clear, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Clearly, it was a tough time in Israel, with the land in the grip of famine, and so Elimelech uproots his home in Bethlehem, takes his family, his wife, two sons, to the neighbouring country of Moab, which you can see on that map there. And Moab was the other side of the Dead Sea from uh, where they were living in Bethlehem. And so it was quite a journey. Not something to be undertaken lightly. And they could be considered immigrants, I guess, of that time. 
It seems the famine hadn't spread across the Jordan to Moab because they were still uh, able to harvest food over there. Also, it would appear that relations between Israel and Moab was actually okay at that time, something that was certainly not always the case. You may remember Laura a few weeks ago uh, talking about the story of Balaam, who was commissioned by Balak, the king of Moab, to curse the Israelites. Well, I don't know about you, but I I don't really see that as a, a good indicator of positive international relations. No, not good. The story continues. Ruth 1, verse 3. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Killian also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Now, did I say this was a good news story? It's not looking that way just at the moment, is it? Not only has Elimelech died, leaving Naomi a widow, but also her two sons, who had married local girls, also died up to some time like ten years later. Naomi and her two daughters-in-law All widows, no children, no prospects. Life was grim. Life was grim. By this time, the famine had broken in Israel, and so Naomi decides to return home to Bethlehem. And she tells her daughters-in-law to go to their family homes because she felt they would be better off rather than going back to Israel with her. One of them, Orpah, took her advice and headed off to her family home. However, Ruth decided she would go with Naomi to Bethlehem, which we read in Ruth 1.16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Every day we make decisions. Some big, usually pretty small. The bigger the decision, the bigger the consequences. Remember, Ruth was a Moabite. To the Israelites, she was a foreigner. Yet she committed herself to stay with Naomi, to serve her and Naomi's God, Yahweh. We don't know anything about the circumstances of Ruth's family of origin, home life. We do know that she had formed a very close bond to Naomi. And as a consequence, Ruth decided to stay with her and to worship the same God as Naomi. And two points I want to draw out of that. 
First point, decisions can have significant consequences. Ruth's decision to stay with Naomi had massive implications for her and for all of humanity, as we shall see a little bit later. Secondly, salvation grew out of relationship. It was because of the close relationship that had developed between Ruth and Naomi, and we can assume Naomi's genuine faith, that drew Ruth to God. These are lessons we would do well to remember in our lives. Moving on. They travelled to Bethlehem, so they went back, where the townsfolk remembered Naomi, who in all likelihood had grown up there and then subsequently married Elimelech. Naomi explained her tragedy and introduced Ruth to the town. And since it was harvest time, Ruth suggested she go out gathering grain left over by the harvesters, a process known as gleaning, which Naomi also thought was a very good idea. Ruth finds herself in a field belonging to Boaz, who happens to be a relative of Naomi's deceased husband, Elimelech. He had heard the good reports about Ruth and how she had supported Naomi in coming back to Bethlehem. So he tells Ruth to remain in his fields rather than go off to the other fields. He ensures her protection and is considerate of her needs. Well, Ruth has a great day gathering grain, and Naomi is delighted with how much uh, she had gathered when she came home that night. Asking whose field it was that Ruth had worked, she was told it belonged to Boaz, to which Naomi responded. Ruth 2, verse 20. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He, that is the Lord, has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. This, folks, is the key moment of the story. This is the critical point. Hope begins to build in Naomi. What was once dark and gloomy and hopeless, suddenly hope appears. It's like a, a light on the horizon. Hope, what a key attribute that is. Now, to understand why, we need to understand this term, kinsman-redeemer, as defined in Levitical law. And I found this definition in my trusty NIV study Bible. I'll read it out. The kinsman-redeemer was responsible for protecting the interests of needy members of the extended family for a number of reasons. One, to provide an heir for a brother who had died and you can refer to that in Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 and 10. And also, by the way, you can uh, see a reference to that in uh, Luke's Gospel when Jesus was questioned about marriage, about brothers who've died, etc. That's what it's all relating to. That's in Luke 20, 27 to 39. Also, 
to redeem land that a poor relative had sold outside the family, which is a reference to Leviticus 25, verses 25 to 28, and you can look these up. Also, to redeem a relative that had been sold into slavery, reference to Leviticus 25, verses 47 to 49, and also to avenge the killing of a relative, in reference numbers 35, verses 19 to 21. Naomi is therefore encouraged when she hears that the Lord has led Ruth to the fields of a relative who might serve as their kinsman redeemer. So that's the definition of a kinsman redeemer under Levitical law. Now, clearly, the sons of Elimelech and Naomi had died without heirs. Also, it's quite likely that before Elimelech and Naomi left Bethlehem for Moab, they probably sold their land. Therefore, Naomi and Ruth qualify by those first two points for a kinsman redeemer. Naomi subsequently helped Ruth with the local customs. Now remember, Ruth was a Moabite and the kinsman redeemer is a, an Israelite uh, practice. So Naomi helped Ruth with those local customs about how to act around a potential kinsman redeemer, which she followed carefully. And this led to Boaz committing to act as their kinsman redeemer, although he does caution Ruth by telling her that there is another man who is a closer relative who therefore has first options on the role. True to his word, Boaz talks to the other relative in front of the town elders so it's all very official. The other relative felt that he was not in a position to redeem Naomi and Ruth, and so that left the way clear for Boaz to fulfil the role. And we read about that in chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among the family or from the town records. Today, you are witnesses." Boaz and Ruth get married, and soon enough she gave birth to a son whose name was Obed, who in turn became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. David. Have you heard of David? King David? Think Goliath? Well, David's great grandmother was Ruth. This also enshrines Ruth in the lineage of Jesus, the kinsman redeemer for all mankind. Now, do you recall me saying earlier that decisions can have major consequences? Well, that's what I would call a major consequence. All because Ruth decided to stay with Naomi and accompany her 
back to Bethlehem. She ends up being in the lineage of Jesus. Significant. Significant. It truly is a wonderful story. It's beautifully told. And there are a couple of points I'd like to draw out from it. First one. Coming home enabled redemption. Know where you need to be. Know where you need to be. Where is God calling you to be? At a very personal level, in the life of this church, Steve and Anita have recently announced that they will be moving on. After they return back from their holiday, at some stage, they will be moving on when they find their new location. They are following the call of God on their lives. Sad for us. Yeah, it's sad for us. But they're following God's call. Therefore, it can only be a good thing for God's kingdom. And so we celebrate with them in that. With tears in our eyes, but we still celebrate it. Know where you need to be. It's very important. And if you're not sure, ask God, and he will guide you. He will lead you. Second point, redemption takes you from emptiness to fullness, from destitution to security and hope. Fullness is only achieved through redemption, and hope is only found in Christ, our Redeemer. That is where our security, our eternal security lies. It can only be found through redemption. And redemption is only available through the grace of God. God is not mentioned very much in those four chapters. But by golly, his fingerprints are all over it. His hand upon that whole situation... He was there, he brought them through, that by the grace of God, it all turned out as we read it. The same thing applies to every person on planet Earth. The grace of God is available to redeem us from our sin nature, which is what separates mankind from God. It is through the act of Jesus that has provided the way by which mankind can be redeemed through the grace of God. Next one, number four. The selfless love demonstrated by both Ruth and Boaz was a foreshadowing of Jesus. The selfless love of Jesus, who sacrificed himself for all of us. Number five, the pivot point, or the crux of the matter, came when Naomi recognised their kinsman redeemer and then acted on it. It's all very well to recognise something, but then you need to do something about it. You may recognise that Jesus is God and he can be your kinsman redeemer. But you need to accept him as your Lord and Saviour. That's your choice. 
That's your choice. Next. The kingdom of God is gained by faith and obedience, as demonstrated by Ruth's faith and obedience with Naomi and Naomi's God. Faith in God. If, if Naomi didn't have genuine faith in God, Ruth wouldn't have had genuine faith in God. None of this would have happened. None of this would have happened. Next. All nations will come under God's kingdom. Not just Israel. Remember, Ruth was a Moabite. Somewhat similar to Rahab, which you may recall from the book of Joshua. She was a Canaanite who also ended up in the lineage of Jesus. So all nations will come under the kingdom of God. Can I ask the welcome team to begin distributing communion, please? Thanks, guys. The key theme of this book is the kinsman redeemer. It is linked to the principle of restoration and the year of jubilee. When Jesus was in Nazareth one time, which by the way was his hometown, he read from the book of Isaiah the following passage. We read in Luke 4, 18 to 21. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. How would you have liked to have been in that synagogue at that time? This quote from Isaiah refers to the year of Jubilee, when every 50 years all slaves would be freed and debts cancelled. In Isaiah's book, he was specifically referring to the liberation from Babylonian captivity. However, Jesus applied the principle to himself as he proclaimed liberation from sin to all who would hear his message. When Jesus declared that this prophecy was fulfilled, he was taking on that role of kinsman redeemer for all mankind. And that's what we celebrate with communion today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we, we just, we're in awe of your generosity, of your love that you pour out on us. We thank you for redeeming us, for the shedding of your blood, for the giving of your life to free us from the bondage of sin that was death in our lives. And in you, we have found life, true life, eternal life, 
Lord, we, we're just so in awe of your, your grace and your goodness in fulfilling that scripture, in being our kinsman redeemer. And we honour you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. will be collected. Thanks, guys. Just some final thoughts. Boaz was a foreshadowing of Jesus, and in many ways, Ruth was a foreshadowing of all of us. Ruth and Naomi's pivot point came when they recognised their kinsman redeemer, and acted on it. Jesus, as I've said, is the kinsman redeemer for all mankind, however it is up to each person to choose him. He is ready, willing and able to redeem every person who chooses him as their Lord and Saviour. I wonder today, I wonder, have you reached your pivot point? Have you recognised your kinsman redeemer? Do you even realise you need one? If not, I invite you to come and talk to me straight after I close here and I'll be delighted to introduce him to you. If you're watching online, I invite you to fill out one of those Connect cards on the website and Pastor Joel or one of the team will certainly be in touch with you. So how do I summarise this book of Ruth? I think it's this simple... Yet, I believe, profound statement. Love wins. Love wins. You know what? This could also be a subtitle of the whole Bible. Yes, it's God's story. But also, love wins. Because that is the very nature of God. Love wins. Wouldn't that be a nice epitaph on your gravestone? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this delightful book of Ruth. We thank you for it. We thank you for the richness that it contains, for the the beauty of the story, and for the lessons that we can draw out of it in our life here today in 21st century Hillsville, Yarra Valley and beyond. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for all that we learn through it. And most importantly, Lord, we thank you for all the pointers that exist in it to you, to your grace, to your redemptive love that you hold for all mankind. We thank you, Lord, and pray you just really bless it in our hearts as we hear it today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.